When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply for those people uh, affected by these uh, cyclonic events uh, over the last two or three days. Uh, New Zealand is certainly copping it weather-wise at the moment and uh, it seems that pretty much everyone is uh, is a part of that. So uh, for those of you that have suffered and are cleaning up, uh, our uh, sympathies uh, go out for you. If you manage to get uh, the radio on, on the app on, uh, we're going to entertain you in the next three hours uh, with some women's football, of course. Massive day for women's football. 100 days out from uh, the World Cup uh, getting underway in this country, of course, co-hosting with Australia. So we'll talk to Jane Patterson, who's the Chief Operating Officer for FIFA uh, in terms of this Women's World Cup. Uh, just after 9.30, love to have a bit of talk back with you on uh, what you saw over the weekend, golf fans, uh, what you thought about the, the performance of uh, John Rahm and the tournament itself. Uh, Israel Adesanya, of course, uh, reclaiming the middleweight, middleweight uh, belt. That's important. Uh, the Warriors are dropping to the Knights and they've got a horror run ahead of them in terms of uh, tough teams. But having said that, what is a tough team these days? Because everyone seems to be vulnerable in the NRL. So uh, are you worried about the run they've got coming up? Uh, Super Rugby uh, went by over the weekend. Uh, a couple of buys involved, but uh, certainly for me anyway, maybe it's uh, the fact that I'm a little bit blinded at the moment that I, I didn't really notice too much of it. Uh, are you the same? Did you feel the same way? about Super Rugby and of course the Black Caps uh, finished up uh, their series against Sri Lanka in Queenstown at the John, John Davies Oval so uh, now that that is all over and done with that's the end of uh, Spark Television in terms of cricket coverage in New Zealand um, so uh, what's the wrap up on the Black Caps love to hear from you after 9.30 on 0800 150811 or you can text us on three, of course, the Temper Bedpost text machine line. We have a multi before uh, 10 o'clock. After 10, real highlight for me, uh, we're going to talk to Ryan Fox. Uh, just absolutely fantastic uh, to be able to get access to Ryan Fox the day after. So he'll have a 24-hour reflection on the weekend that was for him. Uh, the panel, Hamish Mackay and uh, Robert Van Royen. Uh, this morning, uh, rugby dominated. Well, we'll look back at uh, the weekend of Razor Robertson is uh, about to, uh, I think, announce his coaching uh, assistance coming up. So, who do you think uh, will be in line with that? We'll uh, talk to Hamish McKay and Robbie Van Royen, of course, who knows Razor so well out of the Christchurch area. Voss uh, is not on deck today, but we do have his sidekick, Brandy Alexander, the great Greg Alexander, of course, Alexander, of course, a former warrior. And uh, Brandy is also, of course, Penrith, former Penrith, Penrith till I die I think it's fair to say for Brandy Uh, so we'll be talking to uh, him over the results over the weekend uh, and plenty more to come before we hand over to Staffy at midday Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's Sermon Well one of the reasons I love the Masters Golf Tournament each and every year is because I love tradition I still believe in the hurly-burly, inclusive, uh, yet increasingly divisive society we live in. There's still room for what has made something so special in the past, protocol and respect, and I'm reminded of it each year at this time, through the sights and the sounds at Augusta. 
Four days and not a mention of live golf or prize money in the commentary. Very little heckling, if any. No chanting, no booze-riddled patrons. Respectful applause, but still the drama and still the atmosphere. Hell, uh, even when a tree fell down amid a freak weather cell, it almost seemed polite. From the family-inclusive par 3 contest, the endless practice rounds to that final John Rahm three-footer for victory, the caddies and the white overalls, the green masters caps to the green jacket presentation in the butler cabin on, let's not forget, the champion's dinner. Is there a more beautiful event in all world sport? Well, no. No for me. Is there an event that respects the game and its participants more over a week-long period? No, there isn't. Each year, there's an endless queue waiting for tickets. Broadcasters clamber over each other for a piece of the action. And I mean in this PC environment we live in, how is that even possible? Dotty Pepper compliments a male-dominated commentary team beautifully and there is no complaining about balance or equality of numbers, just the right people perfectly qualified to talk about the event. And most importantly, reflect the event. Unlike the trend for the, t- uh, the team to look good, look balanced, look fair, clearly the people selecting their teams are qualified to do so. Not people with agendas and personal preferences who work on the buddy system who are simply fans with a dream job, as in this country. Yes, the mute button is unemployed over Easter when it comes to the golf, because the pictures and the commentary make it. Unlike the referees and those ill-qualified in other sports, seeming to want to break it. Massive milestone today for the FIFA Women's World Cup. It's now 100 days away and the event is predicted to be unlike anything we have seen before on our shores with the world's most famous team, the USA, bringing their juggernaut here to New Zealand. And joining us now to talk about what could be the biggest tournament to date is the Chief Operating Officer of the FIFA Women's World Cup, Jane Patterson, NZOM. Jane, good morning to you. Good morning. Hey Jane, that was the chant. You've released the chant, so um, that was that we heard a little piece of there, yeah. It's, I was just listening to it, thinking how good it was to hear it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great little chant. It's a loud, bold, it's fun, and uh, and it's going to be performed um, at every match. So it was exciting to get that launched this morning. Yeah, it was exciting, and it's pretty catchy. I think it's it's one that we can all um, get involved in. Yeah, it's really catchy. I sort of, when I was listening to it this morning, thinking I could picture being in a full stadium, you know, with some great football about to be played and, and that chant sort of moving around the stadium. It's, I think it's going to do exactly what we wanted it to do and catch on with the fans. Well, talk about catching on, uh, Jane. I hopped on to the Stuff website this morning. The first five stories on stuff relating to sport we're relating to the, uh, the Women's World Cup 100 days out. Um, so that's exciting, um, I, I've got to say, in a, in a country that uh, said just had a weekend of rugby and rugby league, etc., uh, that that can be the yeah. case. And I hope, that, I hope that's indicative of what's coming up. 
I hope so too, and I and I think it is. Uh, you know, a hundred days to go, we're in the the final straight. We've had some milestones in New Zealand that has meant that fans, you know, and and New Zealanders who may not know a lot about football have had the opportunity to learn. You know, we hosted the draw um, at the end of last year. We've hosted the um, the playoff tournament in in February this year. You know, we've seen a mascot come out, we've got tickets on sale. And so all of these little milestones and stories that we've been able to share with the New Zealand public has enabled us to help grow people's understanding of the Women's World Cup and just how big it is and how important it is. And, and that is, uh, I think, the essence of it. Uh, we don't know. Uh, I'm not. We've just had the Rugby Women's World Cup, of course. We've had the Cricket Women's World Cup. But I think this is another level, isn't it, in terms of global um, interest? It feels another level. Uh, it's certainly you know, 32 teams playing 64 matches across 31 days over two countries, you know, nine cities, ten stadiums. It's the scale of, of this tournament um, that's probably bigger than anything we've seen in the country for, for quite some time. But, you know, I had the great privilege and joy of being part of the crowd at the Women's World Cup for a number of the matches, including the final. And, you know, New Zealanders, we're a sports mad nation. We're sports fans. We love, um, we love, love sport. And, and this is the opportunity for New Zealanders to have live sport in the winter months um, through football. This is an interesting tournament, Jane, uh, from that point of view, uh, because uh, the, the Black Ferns, of course, were uh, a, a real chance, people thought, of, uh, of perhaps winning, and in the end, of course, they did. Here's a, a New Zealand side at the moment, which you'd have to say, in all honesty on results, are probably not going to win the Football Women's World Cup. So you're looking perhaps for fan engagement on a slightly different level, is that fair to say? I think what we're looking for is for the fans to support their national team, but also to have the opportunity to adopt another team. You know, we've got teams going to be living around the country. We've got the Netherlands living in Tauranga. We've got Switzerland going to be living in Dunedin through the team base camps. And so people from those regions can support their national team, if it's the football ferns or any other team they may wish to follow. But they also may wish to follow another team um, which will provide that engagement right through the tournament. And as a New Zealander, obviously, I would love to see uh, the football ferns do well in this tournament. Um, but there are all the other teams that are coming from around the world that will represent just how global uh, the event is and the opportunity for New Zealanders to engage through the rest of the teams as well. Well, we've seen an indication of uh, the level of interest in women's football with the women's uh, Euros last year where the numbers were astronomical. And you were uh, uh, able to experience a little bit of that? Yeah, I did. I was there for that. And, you know, you're right. It was absolutely phenomenal. There was an incredible atmosphere, full stadiums. I took the train um, out to the stadiums and on that train was packed with males and females. I, I perhaps thought as I headed to, to a women's um, football that, that a great part of the audience were going to be women and girls. But in fact, it wasn't. It was, it was a real mix, a real cross-section of age and gender um, enjoying the skill and expertise of, of women's football. 
So, um, Jane, in terms of uh, things to do on your list, and I'm pretty sure it's pretty still quite extensive, uh, what, what, what are we looking at now? I mean, uh, it's 2 o'clock this afternoon, uh, the relaunch of the ticket sales, yes? And one of the most interesting things, I'm sure, uh, and I just learned this this morning, you cannot just go and decide on the day I'm going to go because there is no store sales as such and no physical ticket as such. Is that correct? That's correct, but you the there are tickets online right through from two pm today right through to the tournament to the tournament end. So where fans have been used to being able to arrive at the stadium, walk up to a ticket booth, and buy a physical ticket, what you're reading about is that part of it. But if they are registered with um, so they go in and they register with um, fifa.com to register four tickets and then from that they'll also receive quite a lot of information and lead up to it as well as their tickets so everything is electronic at this tournament as opposed to um, the, the physical ticket. And uh, from what I see uh, there's certainly the prices are not prohibitive are they? No not at all I mean it's from $20 for an adult $10 for children yeah, this is just, I was just having a conversation with uh, Raylene Castle from Sport NZ just before I came on this radio show. We were just making the comment that that's affordable for families to be able to go. That's no different than taking the family to the movies. In fact, it's probably cheaper and it's live sport. And that was important for us when we set out to host this tournament was to ensure that it was accessible and affordable. And so at that price, that's a, you know, an opportunity for the family and friends to gather um, to attend one of the matches or multiple matches. Jane, uh, what indications are we getting for fan involvement from overseas? Oh, we we have got great an indication that you know the fans are certainly interested in coming. They're buying and their tickets. Um, we know that we would expect up to around thirty thousand fans coming internationally into New Zealand and up to 20,000 of those could be from the United States of America. So we're, we're seeing great interest um, in those fans who will follow their teams. Um, obviously, we've got the 16 teams based on this side of, of the draw, and, and we can see great interest and enthusiasm from those international fans, as well as the domestic fans who are also are wanting to travel within this country to be able to experience different matches uh, in different cities at different times of the tournament. Just from uh, an outsider's point of view, uh, looking in, I look at uh, the white fans, and I, I ask myself, uh, where are the the the, Ru the Ruby Tuis, uh, you know, the football fans, I should say? Uh, where are the Ruby Tuis? Where are the Porsche Woodmans? Um, you know, where are the Sarah Hiranis? Um Where are New Zealand football in terms of perhaps trying to? build some star factor into our team so we've, we're just not looking at a, a team walk out, we're looking at people we know walking out in that team You're right and that, that's a really important part um, for New Zealand football alongside those that support them to for the storytelling around the players, we just saw some great, you know, a nice performance from them um, over over the weekend and, and I mm. think that the more that those stories are being told that those girls, those individuals will, will rise to the top. And we, we did see that um, through the Rugby World Cup. I was fully engaged in that tournament, like so many New Zealanders. 
and and those girls really came through as the tournament continued and as they played more matches, more television interviews, radio interviews and, and people got to know who they are. And that's the that's the that's the storytelling element and that's the role that I know that New Zealand football are playing with the team to ensure that those girls are the girls that people will know who they are when they step onto the pitch um, for the opening match on the 20th of July. Uh, quite clearly, we're uh, very much interested in what happens on New Zealand shores, but uh, how's it uh, progressing in terms of Australia? How's uh, the level of interest, etc., in a very, very um, competitive sporting market? Yes, exactly. A very competitive um, sporting market, but, but also um, going extremely well. And, and from a, a delivery and an operational perspective, we know that the success of this co-hosted tournament is based on the collaboration between the two countries, how closely we work together to deliver something seamless and, and a, a wonderful experience for the players and for the fans and the administrators. Obviously, in each country, we want each country to welcome those teams in a way that represents and is reflective of the, of the country. For us, we have the world-renowned Manaki Kanga. We, we want every team that's coming into the country to to experience that as the Australians will do on their side. But when it comes to delivery, we are trying to produce something that is seamless on both sides of the tab on both sides of the Tasman. Win, lose or, or draw, uh, when the final whistle goes, uh, Jane Patterson, I imagine you'll have a, a relatively big sigh of relief and a, hol a holiday somewhere, but uh, what are you looking to, to get out of this? What, what, what personally will you find the most satisfying? Personally, uh, I think yeah, the most satisfying moment for me will, will be to have delivered it, to deliver something that was successful and what does success look like? Success is about full stadiums, is about seeing the New Zealand public come out and not only enjoy the quality of football but be inspired by the football to continue to see the growth of the women's game and to have been a part of something that, that meant that... You know, the delivery of that tournament enabled people to um, to to enjoy it, uh, learn from it, and be inspired by it. I think that would be the most rewarding part that I could get from the job after. Some okay, sleep. well, uh, yeah, after some sleep, I would imagine, and uh, maybe. A <laughs> Uh, a nice cocktail on a beach somewhere around the, the <laughs> island sounds sounds damn good at the moment, yeah. I imagine. Uh, yeah. Jane, just finally, uh, just can you reiterate, please, uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon we can get stuck in again in terms of purchasing. Uh, how do we go about it? How easy is it? It's, it's easy. People just need to go on to fifa.com forward slash ticketing. Um, if, they ha if they are not already registered in that ticketing system, they will register first. And then from 2 o'clock, and we, we advise people to do that in advance of 2 o'clock, from 2 o'clock right through to the end of the tournament, um, people are able to buy their tickets. And what we really want to encourage people to do is, is, is don't wait, don't miss out. You want, we want people to be part of history. And it likes all tickets. It is subject to availability. They are sold on a first-come, first-served basis. So we just want people to log on, be ready, for two o'clock and from two o'clock make their selection about where which games, which matches they want to see where and when uh, Well I'm looking forward to uh, it uh, so much uh, but I'm also looking forward to uh, the impact it might have on uh, 
young women and uh, girls in particular playing football in this country. Young boys as well, I imagine, when they get a taste of the action, they'll know that uh, world events are something very special. Jane, so... Uh, Hundred days out. Good luck with, yeah. Hundred days out, which is uh, going to fly by. I know from your point of view, um, and uh, congratulations on what you've achieved so far. All the very best with uh, with uh, that period leading into it, and then of course the, the tournament itself. We'd hope to talk to you again uh, closer to uh, kick off time. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to it. Yeah. Cheers, Jane Patterson. There, folks. Uh, the CEO of the FIFA Women's World Cup. What a big job with a lot of responsibility that is. We certainly, as Jane said, we have no idea how big this is going to be globally and how big this is going to be for New Zealand uh, going forward. And let's just hope uh, that reflects, in, uh, as I said, in the numbers and the level of interest in uh, football around this country. And it will impact on men's football as well because uh, people who have never experienced big crowds at football matches are going to do just that. And it's going to be very, very engaging. And as she said, uh, when it came to uh, the Women's Euros last, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, the numbers were so big so big um it uh, surprised her as well so and uh that's across the board not just women going and not just young girls going but uh everyone going men women children and that's uh the buy-in that this tournament will get i promise you that 100 days out from uh, the launch where uh, new zealand will be playing norway at eden park uh july the 20th uh, it's a double header because uh, across in australia at the accord stadium in sydney Australia will be playing the Republic of Ireland. So exciting. 9.24 here on SCNZ. Succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It is uh, 9.29 here on SCNZ. Uh, we're coming up to the news uh, with Aroha. After that, we're going to open up the lines. 0800-150-811. 0800-150-811 is our number. I'd uh, love to hear from you on any number of subjects that you've seen over the last uh, three to four days. Uh, Warriors fans, uh, what did you see there? Injuries uh, were the big issue for me, injuries. Um, but this is a team that, um, if you've got to say that was a... Is there such a thing as a good loss? It was um, an encouraging loss, I think it's fair to say. An encouraging loss in terms of the fact that last year they'd have gone away by 30 or 40 points last week, last year. We know that. You know that, particularly towards the end of the season. They didn't go away. They, they hung in there, and they still had an opportunity to get out of it. And I think that was reflected in uh, Andrew Voss's call uh, because he wasn't writing them off. Uh, I think he started to think with about two minutes to go, it was going to be too hard for them to score twice, But uh, to be perfectly honest. So... Uh, we'd love to hear from you um, after the break uh, in terms of that. Uh, there's the, the Masters to talk about. Um, and we're going to be talking to Ryan Fox after 10 o'clock this morning, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. So looking forward to that. Uh, Super Rugby, um, is it just me or is it just uh, another week went by without anything too spectacular happening? Uh, is that what you, you want to see anyway? You don't want players any more players injured, etc., going into the World Cup? A lot of texts I saw over on the show over the weekend. Uh, a little bit worried about the form of Bowden Barrett and uh, where they see Bowden Barrett in the mix going through to the World Cup. Is that he just keeping his powder dry, Bowden Barrett, um, and peaking at the end of the year? Shall we uh, uh, perhaps talk about that? 0800 We'll go to the news now with uh, Araha.
All right, it's uh, 9.33 here on SENZ, uh, and uh, first of all, it's uh, Brian from the Hibiscus Coast. Brian, good morning to you. Morning, Ian. You received some uh, correspondence the last week or so? Yes, I have, Brian. I've been uh, going through it as well, and uh, at some point when I'm in Auckland, I'm going to get hold of you, and uh, we will meet up for a cup of coffee or something, and we'll have a chat about it. How's that? Uh, I'm very, very interesting. Some of the the clippings and and the comments around it, mate. Very, very interesting. Thank you for that. Okay, yeah. That's all I want to know, okay. pal. I, I was uh, what? wondering whether you had got it or not. I just want to make sure, and I'm happy that you've yeah. had it and you've had time to uh, digest a little bit of it. No, it's absolutely fascinating, Brian. So what was your highlight over the weekend? Uh, I suppose um, the, the Masters, although I'm very, very uh, uh, frustrated on Sunday morning, of course, um, when they, they uh, shut the course down because I was all set up in, on the couch and all that, ready to go, and then uh, they pulled the plug and had to wait till the next morning. <laughs> but uh, that was, was great, uh, great golf. It was great golf, and it was some sleepless uh, nights as they had to uh, try and uh, reinvent the wheel in terms of the, the timetable. Um, so, yeah, I loved it, Brian. I love it, it every year. It was a bit and, frustrating uh, in when they were playing it on two channels, 53, 55, sometimes 56, and trying to see where Ryan was, and now and again I'd, uh, you'd see him play one shot or something. You know, that was frustrating, yeah. but he did well. So um, uh, look forward to uh, the cricket on Saturday morning. Is it 2.20 in the morning or something over in uh, where have they gone? Yeah, Pakistan, yeah, Pakistan yeah. Brian. Yeah, we'll look forward to that as well. Thank you. Cheers, Brian. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Be in touch. Be in touch. Uh, Neville from uh, Kaiapoi. G'day, Neville. How are you? Good, thanks, Sam. Um, you obviously enjoyed the Masters. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Every I second should. of it, actually. Yeah, so yeah. Um, what, was, what was the highlight for you, Neville? Well, I think it was just the, um, the good the players who um, were at the top of the leaderboard. I was I think it was the best thing for golf with all the crap that we've had to put up with to see Kip and, you know, John Rams walking down the fairway. Maybe not in the last nine holes, but they were obviously getting on form and John Rams being outstanding in his attitude towards what's been going on. And, uh, well, Kip was certainly fulfilled. Most of the time, what I was expecting, but um, when it got down to the nitty gritty, his game disappeared a little. Um, he did make comment afterwards about slow play in front of them, which I don't think would have helped anyone. Yeah, that Cantlay guy, he is absolute shocker. He is probably the rat in the dial of golf. He takes so long to play a shot, and that doesn't help anybody. Um, but, yep, I would have to say golf is on a good footing after that. Um, and Mickelson, well, <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but uh, he's lost a lot of weight, and um, his game was just incredible on the final day. Um, the best round final round, I think it was the best final round ever or something and um, 
I forget the other statistic that he that he said he got, but uh, I think we can look forward to um, the rest of the year with the majors. That's for sure. Yep, well, I'm looking forward uh, after 10 o'clock to talking to Ryan Fox and seeing what his future looks out uh, looks like after this, Neville. Uh, you're right, uh, your summation there. And, uh, yes, it was noticeable that the lift golfers and the uh, conventional, I, I guess, or the traditional golfers, got on beautifully, it seems, uh, from the outside. Anyway, we didn't... Uh, Went probably to what happened off the course or or any fact nature, no. but uh, Neville, you're spot on. Uh, and you know the classic example of the event mean um, meaning so much and the preservation of of uh, the respect for the event. I think reflected that. Nev, uh, thanks so much for your call yeah. this morning. We'll we'll we'll, we'll pop uh, across uh, not too far from you to to Cliffy from Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. How are you? Oop, Cliff. Cliff might have uh, gone. I haven't got Cliff in my earpiece uh, as such, no. So Cliff might have disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, is Brian there from, perhaps Brian from Christchurch? Are you there, Brian? Nope, Brian not there either. So uh, we had Cliff on the board. We had Brian on the board. So uh, they appear to have uh, disappeared for the moment. Anyway, yes, uh, that, that's a, the big take from me is that I was a little bit worried about uh, how they would get on in terms of uh, live golf, how, how they would uh, be able to perhaps um, with all the things that have been said and all the um, headlines around the world, how uh, how awkward it might be. Uh, I'll try and uh, ask uh, Ryan Fox about that as a person that hasn't been heavily involved in it, whether he noticed anything about that. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to me that uh, above it all, and particularly the commentary, I was listening to the commentary, and I love everything that they say, Baker Finch and Novolo and all those guys um, that are Immelman, Jim Nance, who I think is one of the great broadcasters of all time for me, Dottie Pepper, uh, not one mention of uh, Live Golf and that whole weekend of coverage that I heard, and um, n- no mention either of of prize money, etc., so, um, yeah, just uh, waiting to see if uh, we can get those uh, guys back up. Have we had any luck, gentlemen? No, no luck at all. Uh, right, um, I think what we'll do is uh, we'll go to a break, uh, perhaps, and uh, see if we can fix the phones or um, uh, come up with, uh, come up with uh, another idea, and it's 9.39. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at SCNZ underscore radio. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold it, know when to fold it. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, today what have we got? A little bit of baseball followed by a couple of games of football tomorrow morning. So the Braves this afternoon, the Atlanta Braves to beat the Cincinnati Reds at $1.50. Uh, and then tomorrow morning uh, I've uh, got uh, Benfica to beat uh, Inter Milan at uh, $2.10. And the football ferns are continuing their build-up to uh, the World Cup when they're playing Nigeria. I think they'll draw. So the football ferns to draw with Nigeria at $3.30. So that's uh, $1.50 into two ten. dollars into three thirty. If it comes to pass, uh, then ten dollars thirty nine will be uh, that multi to start the week. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Smithy, 
do tell the listeners if they want to see every shot Ryan played over the weekend, click on Masters website and then uh, you click on leaderboard, then uh, forward slash click on Fox and you can watch every shot from round one. Great coverage, absolutely great coverage. Uh, Jared said, love the Masters again um, and uh, the sermon reflected it. A lot of people out there just absolutely glued to it over the weekend. Um, and it was, oh, I just think, didn't think it, it let anyone down actually. I mean, from a long way out, it really appeared that only two guys could win it, but it didn't affect the drama. And it wasn't live against establishment, although that's uh, what some people tried to bill it. It was just, a, I think, two terrific golfers going at it. I was a little bit surprised that Brooks kept uh, uh, fell away because one of his great trademarks is, of course, Getting in front and being damned hard to run down. That's it. Why he won four majors in such a short period of time because he's a good front runner. He loves being around the lead. Uh, but in his situation, maybe it's just a reflection of the fact that uh, this tournament was played over four rounds. He hasn't been playing four round golf. Uh, is that a possibility? Uh, he was uh, only playing, uh, he's been playing three round golf and live golf, a lot of team golf as such as well. And here we go to um, the last day of the Masters, which was an exaggerated one because the leaders, uh, from memory, had to play something around about uh, 20 holes. Uh, no, more than that, uh, 18 plus uh, 12, uh, closer to 30 holes of golf they had to on the last day. And that is a very punishing golf course to walk, uh, from even from a fit player's point of view. It's tough work, a tough old grind up and down. Um, and I just wonder whether things got a little bit um, to the better of Brooks Kepka, who's been away from that kind of tournament golf for quite some time going down the stretch. Yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to him, not that we ever will, but we will be talking to Ryan Fox uh, just after 10 o'clock this morning. So uh, we look forward to that indeed. Uh, we'll be back shortly. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, coming up to uh, 9.54 here on uh, SCNZ on this uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, Cliff from Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. Uh, what, was, uh, what was your big take over the weekend? Well, the big take was, was the Masters. Yeah, and, uh, I just, I've been in Australia for, a, for about eight days, and I came back on Sunday night. And when I arrived in, I watched a little bit of the golf at my brother's up in Christchurch, and we we were watching to see how it was playing out. You know, at that stage, Brooks Kepka was ahead by a couple on on John Rahm. They, I think, they had about nine holes to play in the third round to start the uh, before they played the final. And I think you're right. You know that, that Brooks Brooks Kepka's only been playing three round golf, and and to play 27 holes in one day and to start early. And then, then, then restart again. It was that probably wasn't. It was a bit of a factor, but you know, 40 years ago, Seve Ballesteros won the Masters, and 40 years to the day, pretty much, good old John Rahm wins it. You know, his mentor. So, you know, that's a big thing. The um, the Masters is is such a tradition. I just hope that. Over the years, they're not going to try and try and the Wokey Brigade don't try and get in there and do any damage to it because you can't beat tradition and, and because it's played on one course every year, you, you you can keep things tight in that way. You know, it doesn't become it's not involving anyone else except the club, the mask, you know, the Augusta Club. 
But yeah, but other than that, you know, it was good to see. Uh, Foxy did well. You tell Foxy I'm impressed. You know, he he, uh, he battled hard. He, he, a couple of things went against him. He double bogeyed, I think, on the, the end of the third round. He had a bad hole where it, I think it took the wind out of him a wee bit. He, at one stage, I think he was still minus three, and suddenly he dropped two mm-hmm. shots. But, uh, yeah, proud of the guy. You know, he's he's going to be better for it. He's only a young boy, and he's got plenty of Masters chances and plenty of major chances coming ahead. But we think about the being in Australia, watching the professionalism of their their sports casting. I, I'm very impressed with the league over there, the way they do it. You know, I watched Penrith game against Manly on Saturday night. What a game, you know. League has got a lot more going for it than rugby at the moment. Rugby just lacks a bit of intensity. You know, super tw- super rugby is very poor. Unless it's a real top-end uh, battle between two top teams on their day, the rest of it is pretty average. And, uh, yeah, let's hope the Black Caps go well over there too. I'd like to see them uh, find their good squad and big, big year ahead. Cliff, uh, one of the things that was uh, interesting for me, and uh, you're of a, a vintage, the same vintage as me, two people said, uh, two players, of course, if you've got a green jacket, you, you can play, and, and the, the Masters, they will give you an invite. It's up to you whether you decide to accept it or not. But uh, no more Sandy Lyle, no more Larry Mize. But I also wonder, Cliff, uh, have we seen, when you look at the way that uh, Tiger's body let him started to let him down, no more Tiger Woods? Well, I think the cold got to him. It was cold over there, 50, 50 degrees. That's, that's pretty nippy. I wouldn't want to be out there battling in, in uh, the day where it was maybe only about 8 or 9 degrees and, and you're cold, and especially when you've got injuries about you, everything feels worse. And I think he really struggled, you know, with a stop-start affair, you know, getting damp. You know, it's not, it's not pleasant. I played quite a lot of golf. And I played mm-hmm. in some pretty average conditions up at the old Sinclair Golf Course. When it blows up there, a southerly, it could be pretty tough. You know, when it's uh, but it's not much fun. But yeah, for a guy carrying an injury to, to compete at the top level, first two rounds he's he's in it. But yeah, I think every morning he gets up. Uh, it's it's a tough battle, and I don't think we'll see him again. There he was. Might, he um, might end uh... up becoming. The, I oh, just in the pace of play. What about the pace of? You don't seem to. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the atmosphere and the coverage, etc. I, I don't seem to notice the pace of play in the Masters as a perhaps to other tournaments for some reason. Well, the thing with the Masters is there's so much elevation in that course too. There's a lot of hills, not many flat holes. You know, you're up and down, up and down a lot. And he's battling away there. You know, walking up uh, thirty or forty grade degree hills. With, with on injured legs, it's not much fun, and you know he can't get any any physical help, so it's a battle. You know these old guys. Look, Fred Couples did well, you know, and 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 Phil Mickelson. What an amazing round that last round of his was. You know, to shoot sixty five. You know he had a chance of winning it. If the other two guys had a collapse, he could have ended up walking out of the out of the room and putting the old coat on again. But, you know, John Rahm was just determined. He, he played some great stuff. He, some of those uh, approach shots from 80 or 90 metres over bunkers, he put them in the right place. He knew just how hard to hit it, and, and, and he was determined. He, he, old Sebi was on his shoulder. 
I'm, I'm looking forward to Yeah, he, he was on his shoulder. There is that romance there. I think there was a numerical thing that came up in, um, in terms of uh, his number on his caddy's um, uniform. I think it was number 49. Um, it had some sort of uh, mathematical reference back to 49 years ago. And, of course, uh, being the 9th of uh, April as well. There's all sorts of little um, idiosyncrasies that uh, I'm absolutely... Uh, engaged about uh, during this tournament amongst all tournaments. So, hey, Cliff, uh, really uh, cool to get your, your thoughts here. Yeah, thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, yeah, we're coming up to uh, 10, yeah, 10 o'clock, so Cliff, hang around, and uh, we'll be talking to Ryan Fox, hopefully, uh, after the news here with Araha and get his perspective on it. Very, very creditable performance from Ryan Fox. Uh, could it have been better? Perhaps. Could have been worse, a whole lot worse. Um, so uh, we'll just get the lowdown on something he was hanging out for, uh, perhaps since he first picked up a golf club to be able to play on a golf course in a tournament where very few New Zealanders will ever, ever get the chance. Remarkable. Coming up to uh, news time with Araha. CNZ app. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, folks, uh, this is uh, live radio, this is SCNZ, and on live radio things don't happen as uh, you want them to happen from time to time, and unfortunately we've just heard uh, from uh, Ryan Fox's connections that he's not well. Um, uh, we know he had uh, tournament uh, problems in terms of his health, um, and he battled his way through that for a terrific finish um, in terms of the circumstances, but he's not well today at all, still recovering um, from ill health, so... Uh, we're going to put the, the Ryan Fox interview on hold, hopefully tomorrow or perhaps later in the week uh, we'll get to him because I really would like to talk to uh, Ryan about uh, his reflections uh, on the tournament um, and what he's going to do going forward. Did he get the PGA bug, uh, the US PGA bug? I mean, um, what does it take for him to qualify to play on that? I'd love to see him play on the US PGA because we'd see him more often. It's as simple as that. That's my selfish way of looking at it. Um, but uh, Ryan Fox not available to us this morning so we'll uh, put all those questions on file and uh, we'll wait for him so uh, Ricardo's in uh, for the next uh, few days here on SENZ as a producing role but that doesn't mean to say we can't talk to him about football and that's um, I think what we've got to do now and uh, we're uh, in a in a situation where we just uh, need to replace that interview but uh, there's a lot of football of interest tonight now just been watching CNN um, and uh, not listening to it, just watching it in the corner of my eye, Wrexham. Now, this Wrexham story is quite unbelievable because, of course, it became very high profile with the purchase by a couple of uh, movie stars and uh, dignitaries as such. But they're backing it up. Uh, they're absolutely backing it up. 
And I think it's going to be, uh, they're looking like they, they could get promotion, Ricardo. Yeah, looking very much like it, Smithy. Um, they had to play uh, Notts County uh, overnight, and it's been a neck-and-neck race between them and Notts County for promotion uh, this entire season. And they managed to get it 1-3-2, Wrexham. Uh, but how's this? They both played, well, Wrexham have played 42 games so far this season in the league. They've scored 109 goals. They're, they're, they're on 103 points. Notts County have played 43 games, scored 108 goals, and are on 100 points. So those two just absolutely dominating the league. So where, did, where would that put them if they were to get promotion? And my understanding is only the top team gets promoted. It's mm-hmm. not like top three. Where does that put them? That puts them in League Two, which is the fourth tier of English football. It's the old Division Fourth Four. Fourth Yeah. And this is a, this is Ryan Reynolds, yes? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, uh, famous for Deadpool, uh, amongst other things. And uh, Rob McElhenney, who's a writer, actor for a, a show called uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's where he, he made his name. Right, okay. So uh, to get to that level would be amazing for them. Uh, let's just recap, um, staying with British football, um, the EPL over the weekend. Um, and uh, there was a, a, a whole range of uh, pretty interesting results as such, uh, finishing off or culminating with uh, Liverpool and Arsenal sharing the points. Yeah, uh, Smithy, you know how, how many times have you interviewed uh, players at half-time in games or full-time in games and they've said, I oh, was a game of two halves? So this was literally a game of two halves. Arsenal absolutely away um, on a flyer. 2-0 they were up at Anfield as well and didn't look like they were going to be troubled but then they they basically put the cue in the rack and decided to defend and invited Liverpool onto them and it was probably the biggest mistake they could make the second half was all Liverpool and in the end Aaron Ramsdale the Arsenal keeper had to make three really good saves to get uh, keep them the point um, so I think the uh, you know if you're Mikel Arteta you're kicking yourself here a bit because Liverpool defensively are poor uh, but if you don't test them defensively if you sit back and let them come onto you they're going to cause you problems and that's what happened uh, interesting uh, too to see Wolves uh, knocking over Chelsea uh, with uh, Frank Lampard in uh, the, the the coach's chair uh, as an interim coach uh, to try and fill a void, which is uh, quite obvious that they've got in their coaching stocks uh, and couldn't do it. Quite often when you appoint a new manager, um, the players just find something they couldn't. Yeah, the new manager bounce didn't happen under Frank. Uh, he made quite a few changes, pulled some players back, changed formation as well, uh, but it didn't seem to work. And I mean, Wolves have uh, been travelling pretty well recently. Uh, they've got uh, Julian Lopetegui uh, in charge there, who was formerly the Spain national coach at the 2018 World Cup, and he had spent some time at Real Madrid as well. So he's a good coach, and he's starting to get a tune out of this Wolves team. And yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't know how Frank Lampard gets this job. I mean, you got he got sacked by Everton um, earlier in the season. Sean Dyche has been in charge at Everton for nine games and has got uh, half the points that Frank got in twenty. Um, so talk about failing up, mate. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what's next for him. You might get the England job after this. Who knows? He might. Um, another uh, interesting story from uh, British football. Uh, over the weekend uh, was uh, Vincent Company and Burnley. Mm, yeah, big story. Burnley uh, back in the Premier League next season. They've won promotion uh, and they've absolutely dominated the championship. And it was one of those 
uh, Smithy, where Vincent Company went in there. He'd been in charge of Andelect over in Belgium and done a pretty good job with them, uh, but he was making wholesale changes. He was getting rid of basically the the core of what had been that Sean Dyche Burnley team, and he brought in a lot of youngsters. He brought in a few kids who he knew from the Manchester City Academy, uh, a few players from Belgium, a few other players as well, and you thought, you know, the Championship is probably the hardest league in, in, in British football to get out of. It's so much, so competitive, and it's a physical league. It's a tough league. How's he going to go? First managerial experience in England, um, and a lot of younger players as well who may not be, you know, may get physically intimidated at times uh, by older pros. But but th- those were the worries I think going into the season. But uh, proved all of that uh, wrong. Played some great football, uh, scored a lot of goals, and absolutely dominated the league. And yeah, promoted uh, with six games still left. Right, promotion relegation is uh, on the agenda now that we're seriously uh, into um, the, the tail end of uh, the EPL season. If we look at the top, we're probably looking at uh, five teams looking for four uh, major European spots. Uh, they are Arsenal and Manchester City, I think, who have, uh, you can ink them in, there's no doubt about it. But uh, Manchester City closing a gap a wee bit there and still have a game in hand on Arsenal, six points behind at the moment. Yeah, that's really interesting, Smithy, because that dropped point uh, or dropped two points by Arsenal against Liverpool yesterday morning. Um, as you say, City are six points behind a game in hand, um, but they Arsenal also have to go to Manchester City before the end of the season. Um, so that now becomes a big game. So if City win their game in hand and then beat Arsenal at the Etihad, um, which they've already done this season in the FA Cup, then City would go top on goal difference because they've got a superior goal difference to Arsenal. So yeah, that run in, it's all of a sudden looking very much like I think Manchester City end up winning the title. I think that's the way the bookies have already gone in the UK. Then the three teams vying for third and fourth. Uh, Newcastle, what a story that is this season. Uh, Man U, of course, and uh, Spurs, who are three points behind um, but they've played one extra game. So Newcastle, what a good story from uh, a side um, that, of course, uh, our very own Chris Wood initially was involved with. Yeah, they've, they've gone great guns under Eddie Howe. Um, you know, Alexander Isak, uh, he signed him from Real Sociedad at the beginning of the season, the Swedish international, and then he got injured and uh, was out injured for some time, and, and that was a big miss for him, for them. But he's come back, and I think he's scored three and three games since he's been back from injury, Isak. Uh, he looks like a key piece to their puzzle. Interesting couple of games coming up for Newcastle that'll really test them. They've got Aston Villa away this weekend. Aston Villa under former um Arsenal coach Unai Emery are unbeaten in 11, um, so that's going to be a tight game. They now are in the conversation for a Europa League spot, the way Villa are going, uh, because of, of the run they've put together. And then after that, they host Spurs um, in Newcastle. So two big games uh, for Newcastle, really big games that will could decide whether or not they get Champions League football next season. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's that's a fascinating little breakaway. Then there's that middle pack that... Perhaps their season in terms of uh, high honours is almost done and dusted, although there's a, 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 a sort of a secondary European spot to, or two up for grabs still with the team's uh, sixth, seventh in that area. But below, um, it's very interesting for me too uh, because there are nine teams within 10 points of each other at the foot of the table. Mm. And um, it is so much, it's so important for the future of your club, the finances, etc., that you survive. At the moment, um, Everton, Nottingham Forest, Leicester and Southampton are under the pump, but Leeds got a hiding over the weekend, which suggests all is not well there. 
Um, and I, I look, I, I think it's just a, as interesting race at the bottom as it is at the top. Yeah, that's the thing, Smithy. There's almost no mid table. You know, a lot of the times about this time of the season, a lot of years, you go, well, you know, this half dozen teams, they've got nothing left to play for. They're on the beach already with, you know, um, you know, half, you know, quarter of the season still to go. But we don't have that this season. I mean, you could probably argue that uh, Fulham are that team, maybe. But then Chelsea are below them. Um, so they're 10th and 11th. And Chelsea obviously will be still trying to get a European spot because they need the income from Europe. So they've got everything to play for. And Crystal Palace, what a move, Smithy, bringing the old fella back. Roy Hodgson at 75, he's been back in the dugout two games. They've beaten Leicester 2-1 at home, and then they've gone and flogged Leeds up at Ellen Road. It's superb from them. It is. That's a big, big result for them, and a shocker, an absolute shocker for Leeds, who are just hanging in there. Uh, Leicester City, uh, once proud Leicester City. I didn't realise it was seven years since they won that title. Mm. Seven damn years. Where's his life disappearing to? Uh, and now they, they are odds on to go down, I would be thinking, at 25 points. Yeah, well, it's taken them a long time to appoint somebody. They've just appointed this morning Dean Smith, who had been in charge at Aston Villa before and had time at Norwich as well. Uh, so they've appointed him with John Terry as his assistant. Um, so that's uh, the the, t- the coaching team at Leicester for the rest of the season. They've got a lot of work to do. I mean, that Leicester team, I said to you earlier in the season that there's too much quality in that team for them to go down. But they just uh, since the World Cup, they've got one point from a possible twenty-four, um, mm. which which is a horrible, horrible run. So you know, Harvey Barnes is still playing very well. James Madison's still playing very well. It feels like time has finally caught up with Jamie Vardy. They're not getting a tune out of him, and defensively, they're poor, particularly at set pieces. So they've got a lot of uh, a lot of work to do there, and uh, I'd suspect that uh, John Terry, in particular, with that defense, is is going to be a busy man. Right, uh, can I ask you um, a Phoenix question? Are the wheels coming off? Yeah, Melbourne field. City 4, Phoenix 1. Field. Uh, now the Phoenix are 5th on 31. Mate, honestly, it feels a bit that way. Uh, three losses in a row now. Um, a 5-1 loss, a 2-1 loss to bottom of the table, Melbourne victory, and now a 4-1 loss to top of the table, Melbourne City. Uh, they did have Josh Laws sent off in this game at 2-1. Um, for a straight red card, it, it was a, it was a horrible pitch, Smithy, and I'm not blaming the pitch because both teams had to play on it. But it was it was the same pitch that the Rebels played the Blues on the day before. So can you imagine what a, a pitch trying to play a, a football on a pitch that's had uh, a rugby game on it the day before? Uh, the bounce was all over the place. It looked lumpy as anything, and I think that's what did Josh Laws. There was a ball that bounced. He went over to try and volley it at about hip height, and he um, missed the ball and kicked one of the Melbourne players in the face. Uh, completely unintentional, but that's what happened, and it's a straight red card. So they lost him to a straight red at 2-1, and then that was all she wrote, really. Melbourne City, uh, too good, and yeah, with question marks over what what's happening with Ufuk Tale, where's he going to be next season? I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. Three players have already announced they're leaving. Uh, they have re-signed a few, so they've got 12 there for next season, but it does feel like uh, very much that the wheels are coming off at the moment. And, you know, we were talking only a couple of weeks ago about what they needed to do to get a home semi-final. Well, now they just they need to do anything they can just to get a semi-final because there are teams chasing them down. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those games where it can just turn so quickly and so devastatingly that, uh, but this is a very, very concerning trend for the Phoenix uh, all of a sudden. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, we'll have some football interviews uh, during the week as well. It's 10.17 here on SENZ. Thanks, for, uh, Ricardo, for that. And uh, we'll get uh, a panel up very shortly uh, consisting of Hamish Mackay and uh, Robert Van Royen and uh, two very strong men in terms of their rugby. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Top, top, top.
Right, we're going big on rugby in the panel uh, this particular edition because we have got Hamish Mackay with us, uh, of course, a renowned broadcaster, commentator for a long, long period of time, uh, and uh, out of Christchurch, uh, Robert Van Royen, who's got his uh, finger on the pulse of everything Crusader-like. Uh, Hamish, uh, good morning to you. Long time uh, no talk. Um, honestly, um, I-, I just got to ask you a question. You'll know this because you you know everything about what's going on in rugby. If, if your team has a uh, if your team has a bye, does that mean it's an all black break? You would have thought so, wouldn't you? I'd hope so, um, but I don't know the official answer to that. Yeah, I would have thought it would be. It makes sense, Smelly. I would have thought common sense. Well, I, I would have thought the definition of a buy was actually not to play and have um, your feet up for a week, but maybe it's not. Maybe yeah. they do something different in a buy yeah. these, these days, at Hamish. But just yeah. uh, looking at, um, and one of the big news coming up apparently is uh, Razor uh, looking to uh, try and rubber stamp his, uh, his backup coaching team. Um, but I'm I'm hearing all sorts about Leon McDonald perhaps not being um, around for much longer and, and perhaps heading north to Scotland. I, I'm I'm not sure whether that I live in Hawkes Bay. I mean uh, it's uh, it's a rumour that's pretty strong around here. Yeah, and it's it's, it's wafted out to the eastern suburbs of Auckland too, Smithy, that 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 could be the case. And and it, all, and it always comes down to doesn't I guess at the end of the day what sort of number is going to be on the contract there because you imagine it would be quite uh, sizable uh, for Leon to look to go to, to the Northern Hemisphere. I, I don't know if I'm too concerned about that because I, I, I wonder whether there's enough a room within this setup for both Leon McDonald and Jason Holland. And I, and I wonder about whether we're too top-heavy in the numbers that we have in there. Ray's got to get his team together. There's no doubt about that. But I think with the likes of Jason Ryan and Scott Hatton, who he obviously has great relationships with, he's kind of almost there anyway. So, yeah, look, um, I, I, I'm just going to say it. I, I look, yeah, he's a loss for sure if that ha- happens. But I think we've got the, you know, we've got uh, Razor will be able to find the right people to, to, fill the, uh, to fill the gap that Leon may or may not leave. Robert Van Royen uh, out of uh, Christchurch, of course, and um, very close to what's happening with uh, all things in terms of Canterbury rugby. Uh, Robert, uh, what are you hearing about um, Razor's make-up list here and uh, any sort of timeline for it? I mean, uh, good morning, morning, firstly, Smitty. Yeah, um, I mean, firstly, the, t- the timing. I haven't, got, I haven't heard the timing. The sooner the better is, is the word. I mean, that's just not for him. It's for, it's for everyone. It's for these super rugby uh, clubs that are going to be impacted. I mean, potentially three looking for new coach, head coaches. If, if it is the the same names that we've been hearing, I mean, you've just been discussing Leon, and you just add on to to Leon McDonald. I mean, that, regarding Scotland, I mean, I guess for him, it's going to if, if he decides to go there, it would come down to does he want to be a head coach or an assistant coach? I mean, he's worked as an assistant under Razor before. Obviously, he he left the Crusaders after a year as an assistant. Wanted to be head coach in Tasman, got the Blues head coaching job. Does he want to be the head coach of a international side or does he want to work as an assistant under Razor? I think that's what it's going to probably come down to. Um, the All Blacks law is obviously a big one. Um, yeah, as I said, though, the sooner the better. That's really the key thing. Hey, Mish McKay, where does that leave Joe Smith then? You're a good man or a two man, and uh, of course he spent time there as well. Where does that leave Joe Smith? And is he the kind of asset New Zealand rugby uh, want to say goodbye to again? Oh, I definitely hope not. Now, 
I, I can't quite read the tea leaves on the relationship between Razor and, and, and Joseph, but I, 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 I just can't believe that he can't be seen in a sort of a uh, Sir Brian Lahore kind of like that overall sort of um, brings all that experience and deep thought, and he's a wise man, and you know he, he did such he's done pretty much anywhere he's gone. I mean, the only team that he really didn't really quite nail was those Blues back in the early days. But if you go right through the the French and the Irish uh, French club competition with Vern Cotter, and, and he's just a he's an A triple plus coach. So I'd hate to think that. Uh, that we wouldn't make the most of him, given that he's already always made it signposted it so clearly that he's out of uh, what he wants for his family and for himself. You know, late fifties now, Joe. Joe. Well, sounds like it sounds like Hamish has uh, dropped off there, so we'll continue that uh, theme with uh, Robert Van Royen. Um, Robbie, uh, thanks for joining us uh, so much this morning. Um, look, uh, where where would uh, where do they go for for head coaches? Where where do the Blues Crusaders Canes go? What what's the news on uh, Crusaders front in particular? Any candidates? Any favourites? Yeah, the name down here that keeps popping up here is Andrew Goodman, who's obviously been an assistant here. He's worked with Tasman. He he went to Leinster left after last year, um, and that's the name that's been thrown out a fair bit down here. And even when he left, the Crusaders made it pretty clear. And this is no, and you know they're the team that is least caught out by needing a new head coach. They, they knew this was coming, and they've been planning a long time. So Goodman's the big name, and he and he's got a clause. He signed a two-year deal in Leinster. Um, he's got an exit clause, and it's got to be renewed. But he's he's not a head coach over there. He went over there to be an assistant to get some experience over there overseas. So it wouldn't be a big deal for him to come back. Um, that, that's the main name that's been getting thrown around here. In terms of the others, I mean. We've heard the Blues have approached Dave Rennie, um, former Chiefs coach. We all know what he can do at Super Rugby level. Uh, I still feel Dave Rennie was very was hard done by with what happened with the Wallabies last year. I mean, that injury toll they had, and I think I thought they were pretty damn competitive last year. So um, the Blues, you know, appear to have approached him. He's also weighing up a, a deal in, in Japan, though. Uh, in terms of the Hurricanes, I um, see reports in the weekend that. Uh, that there is still, if Holland is indeed in that in that all black team under Rays, there is still a chance he could coach the Hurricanes next year before linking up with the with the All Blacks. Um, yeah, I mean we're not exactly flush. You look at you look at the all the all the three teams and you look at their assistants and you know there's not a heck of a lot of experience. Um, the Crusaders are huge and Scott Robinson's huge on. Um, I haven't really heard him talk so fondly of any. Coach, uh, maybe outside of J- Jason Ryan, as he, as he speaks about Tamati Allison, he's huge on him. Um, he's going to be the head coach of Wellington Lions this year. He's going to step up from the assistant role. So I mean, that'll be. I think it's too soon for someone like him at head coach Super Rugby level yet, perhaps. But um, yeah, he's got a, a bright future, and um, watch him closely with Wellington this year. Robert Van Royen uh, with us this morning. Uh, Hamish Mackay, uh, we're just trying to get Hamish back up. Uh, phone issues, uh, big issues uh, this morning for us. Uh, we'll take a quick uh, news break with Araha. When we come back, we'll uh, look at results over the weekend, uh, perhaps, and just the state, the state of Super Rugby compared to perhaps other codes at the moment. Uh, 10.30. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 
10.31 here, uh, a panel at the moment just uh, consisting of uh, Robert Van Royen because uh, we just cannot have uh, take a trip this morning with the phone. So, uh, Robert, it's you and I at the moment, sir. Uh, and a text, has just, a text has just come through, Robert, to say, Joe Smith has said that he won't work with Razor. Why has his name ever been mentioned? I'm, I, I mean, I don't read every, every bit of stuff of news or every bit of news, but I've never seen that. Have you? Have you heard that? Oh. I, I, I've seen I've seen a bit of speculation on social media about that, and uh, and there's been I've heard some some whispers, but like I, I haven't heard it from someone I potentially I would say that I you know take take their word for it, let's say um, rather than just gossip. Um, so like I, I couldn't verify if, it, if that's a fact or not, but yeah, I definitely have heard the whisper of people claiming that Schmidt wouldn't work with Razor. Um, Hamish is uh, back with us. Uh, thank goodness for that. Hamish, have you heard that? You know, Joe. Yeah. Look, I. I, I... I just cut out before I was waxing lyrical about the 59 kilogram dripping wet winger from Paya to Joe Smith. But Joe is very much a man, for what Robert said, very much his own man. And I don't think he, you know, if he saw there was um, potential conflict or not quite on the same page, um, then I guess he wouldn't. Work, he, he would make his call that he wouldn't work with Raids, and that certainly seemed to be the case last year. Didn't it when those sort of around that bizarre South African test and the situation with Razor about to be appointed or was he not going to be appointed? So yeah, I, I, I personally, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, you know, put the uh, Kahuna's on the blocks. I don't think that they would be a good combination myself, but I, I still think Joe would be great to be in there in some sort of capacity. I mean, um, arguably, Sir Brian did a great job with the the heart kind of wily era. I just think there's, there's a place for his input. Maybe it isn't it. Maybe it isn't while Razor is all black coach. It's mm. an interesting point, actually. I forgot the Brian Lahore uh, mentor over the top almost scenario there. That was, um, yeah, that seems uh, like it was so, so long ago. Uh, Hamish, uh, just looking also at the state of uh, super rugby, uh, i got to confess, if we had to look at it uh, in terms of our shows here, be probably 50-50, rugby and other codes would have been far more dominant in days gone by. Um, is that a reflection and of Super Rugby or is it uh, just the fact that uh, there's so many other options these days? I, I actually do think it's got a little bit of to do with the, with the other options. I, I, I would have struggled to know what the games were. I did watch, you know, but if you asked me to review the games that have just gone over the week, I'd be struggling. If you asked me what club Phil Mickelson pulled out at the tent, um, you know, over the weekend on the on the third day, and the, you know, I, I, I pretty much know. Um, I, I think that we are, and I and I watched the, you know, the the, the MMAs and the and the NBAs becoming so much so much more prolific, and even I was thinking about the coaching thing. I was watching West Ham. Uh, Fulham and watching David Moyes and I was thinking about the I was thinking about there and then what is the scenario what, what are all his coaching staff doing and I was trying to relate it back to what Razor Robertson were doing and who all the different bits and pieces are but yeah look in saying that I haven't minded some of the footy I mean I I do enjoy I think these days I sort of go for more of the individuals look at what the individuals are doing and uh, get the excitement out of going well if you want to win a World Cup, you need to sort of throw out, you know, throw out a few, um, I guess, um, you know, go for broke on a Roy Guard, go for broke on a Hugh Renton to hurt a whole lot of guys in in in, in um, pool play, um, go for a Levi or more. That's the sort of thing I'm kind of 
that's what's keeping me as much interested in Super Rugby as the actual results themselves. Robert Van Royen, um, you're a Crusaders man. Uh, winners are grinners. Everyone loves a winner. Uh, does everyone absolutely still love the Crusaders to the extent that they once did down there? Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the crowds, and I mean, they're probably, compared to the, some of the other teams, they're still probably pretty decent. But I mean, it's hard to sort of say, isn't it, when you look at the crowds, there's definitely, it doesn't necessarily get people off the couch um, like it used to. Um, but there's still plenty of engagement around them for sure. Uh, I mean, I think the issue, I mean, the biggest thing really that's hurt Super Rugby is, is, you know, with COVID and losing the South African teams. Um, you look at any good competition around the world, you need you need parity, and there's still Super Rugby Pacific that lacks parity. Sure, there's a few three or four, especially New Zealand teams that are genuine title contenders. Uh, 11 of the 12 games against Australian teams have been won by New Zealand sides. Yes, the Brumbies, I think, are a genuine title threat, but there's still just not enough parity across the board to really engage people. And when there's four, a bunch of teams on a bye last week and there's only four games, you know, people just, when there's other stuff going on, yeah, people will, will simply switch off. I mean, besides that were inactive, did their fans bother to, to tune in and watch what the others were doing, or were they just happy to watch the golf or NRL? Um, and I also think, you know, with this format, and I, was, I said it at the time, and, you know, when you've got 12 teams and eight of them make the playoffs, that's just, it's just ridiculous. And um, I, I think that's, that's, I'm just not a fan of that format. And that's also, I mean, when a team like the Highlanders can make the playoffs with four wins last year, I mean, how engaged do you really have to be watching them during the regular season when four wins will get you into a quarter final? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, it just seems to be that, that there's an easy way through uh, just for the sake of um, extra games on television almost, Hamish. Yeah, it does. It, when you, Robert, your point about that, about the Highlanders, is a, is a really good one. I mean, it, it's, it's weak, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day... For me, it's top four, one plays two, one straight to the final, two plays the winner out of three and four, <laughs> and winner the winner of that goes you know goes through the final. So one and two get two lives, three and four are there or thereabouts. They've justified it. Um, yeah, just this whole padding out the, the the numbers for for the number of games on TV. As you say, Highlanders four wins and into the playoffs. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. No, it, it doesn't actually, uh, to be perfectly honest. You didn't want me to ask you about reviewing the games because um, the fact that you watch golf all weekend, Hamish, but um, oh, I just got a. <laughs> I, I just wonder. Um, I, I, I just wonder about our New Zealand side, the Chiefs, of course, um, not playing over the weekend. Uh, but uh, convincing wins, I suppose. In the end, I'll ask Robert about the Crusaders very shortly. Uh, how are you looking at the Hurricanes uh, through your Palmerston North eyes? Um, uh, went to down to Dunedin and and managed to get the better of the Highlanders, twenty nine to fourteen. And everyone's talking about this Cam Roy guard all of a sudden. Yeah, and look. Um Probably the guy who's not going to say too much about him now for off is TJ Perinara. I think Roygaard is playing exceptionally well. Um, even when, and I think the measure of that is even when the Hurricanes pack aren't in full dominant mode or dominating at all, he's able to, to sort of spark something from nothing. But he seems to have not only that, but he's got the all round game. And it, 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 you are seeing, like, you know, like we can't expect the. Uh, 30, what is he, coming up the 34, 35-year-old hairdresser from fielding Aaron Smith to be the player that he once was. He still delivers, but Roy Gard has that all-round game and, um, and, and management. It just seems to, it just seems to 
connect, obviously, forwards and backs. It does its basics well, but it has a little bit of X factor. And, um, and also, the one thing I will say that he has, and this is where he leaves Fakatava for dead, is the speed. That outright speed that he has, the gas that he has, still curtain gas. He, um, that's his big, that's his real, you know, ace in his pack as far as I'm concerned. Um, that, that at both explosion and top end speed, quite quite outstanding. We talked about uh, the concerning nature of uh, the Highlanders, and uh, I think there is problems uh, down there. Um, on a regular basis in terms of just getting the right mix or the right cattle, I think, to survive in this competition as a front-runner. Uh, Crusaders 38-21. to 21. Robert, what did you make of that performance? Uh, and Richie Moonga's 100th. Yeah, well, it was a heck of a game, and to be fair, Moana Pacifica brought, brought more, uh, more to, the, to the match probably than the Crusaders. Sure, they pulled away, but gee, that, that's a different game. It was, what, four minutes left and 10-point game, and the Moana Pacifica drop a ball cold with the line begging. It's a potentially a three-point game with a few minutes left. And instead, Willie Hines scores down the, the other end and um, and, it, and it blows out a wee. But that was a heck of a contest and really physical. Uh, the Crusaders, I mean, look, they um, really, they've been very scratchy, I'd have to say, the last sort of three or four. Since that Blues game, very scratchy. But, you know, I suppose you could argue, look, they're probably the only team in the competition that could uh, have 17 injuries and, and most of them key to big name players, lots of them all blacks, and, and still get to scratch through to the bye week with a 5-2 and two record. Look, they haven't been overly convincing but they've always sort of had these patches and seasons where they haven't been great and then they just they just know when to start building. So look, they've got plenty of bodies coming back in the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, look, it wouldn't surprise me if they can do their usual sort of start building and, and peaking ahead of that playoff run, which they're so good at doing. Um, yeah, they're going to have to sort a few things out. Their, their line-out's probably been their biggest issue. Um, not helped by Whitelock being out, of course. Um, but yeah, that's probably been very uncharacteristic for them. A lot, a lot of, I think they were ranked 10th um, in line-out actually heading into the week, so right down the bottom there. Um, Moana Pacifica, uh, on the other hand, yeah, they were, they were really good that match. I don't think it went far away probably even this week and up here against the Reds. Yeah, well, Brad Thorne, uh, Hamish, has got uh, huge problems. In fact, not very often you hear a coach um, in rugby union in particular says, look, I've, got, I've taken them as far as I can. I'm, I'm not their man anymore. Mid-season. Yeah, there's a bit to be said for the honesty there, isn't it? I mean, cold, hard reality is that there's nothing more in the tank in terms of what he thinks he can do with them and and what he and what they're capable of, I know that you know one or two sort of key injuries, but nothing like what uh, the Crusaders have had to deal with. So I don't know. I, I kind of find it sad that um, uh, you know I, I, I love the old days. Whether you remember these of those magnificent sort of Queensland and New South Wales clashes with our Canterburys and Aucklands, and goodness knows what when the Paul McLeans and the Ellers and the, those big you know Tony Shaw and the loose forwards and Paul Nelson and Palecki mm. and oh, I don't, you know, the Aussie. It's it's just it's just spread spread a bit thin, isn't it? To in terms of being able to sort of get the get one or two powerhouse teams out of Australia. So yeah, he's sort of uh, waved the old flag, Brad, hasn't he? He has, uh, he has indeed. Uh, Hamish Mackay, uh, great to catch up with you again, Robert uh, Van Royen down there in uh, Christchurch. Always get to, great to get your perspective too, Robert. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, so much for your participation on the Smitty. panel this morning. Smitty. Yes, Cheers, Hamish. No I was just wondering, wondering if I could ask Robert one more one question, if possible. Ooh. 
McLeod, uh, 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 McLeod at second 5-8, Robert. Am I, am I imagining that he's actually bloody good? Or, or, or you know, I just, I just, you know, sometimes you get a bit of obsessed with the player. I think, this guy creates space. He can't take, you know, he's going great. All the, am I just getting a bit carried away? Or is he, is he seriously good? <laughs> Oh, well, he's, he's pretty damn handy, that's for sure. He's got those big, long yeah. big long arms, and he's, he's quite good at freeing them up with the yeah. offloads. Uh, and also what yeah. I liked about him, those last couple of... Not so much against Milan, I think about the two matches before yeah. that where he started. I liked the fact that he straightened the attack a lot, and that's been yes. lacking a bit lately. Yeah, he really straightened, and he's deceptively quick. So, look, he certainly uh, took, took his chance there, but with Havili and Goodhue... Inor, Fang, and Nugu, all midfield options. Yeah, we probably won't see a heck of a lot more of them this year, I dare say. Yeah, which, which is kind of sad, because I just think he's only going to get better and better. Sorry, Smithy, to get to come in with the extra one there, but I just thought, you know. <laughs> that's, that's cool, Hamish. Um, uh, I just love your innovation there, and uh, the fact that you take an opportunity to dive in. I love that, mate. Uh, Hamish <laughs> McKay, Robert, Robert Van Royen uh, on the panel this morning. Cheers, folks. Uh, gents, have a, have a terrific day, uh, and thanks for helping us out. Uh, 10.45. The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. Anytime. Careers uh, with uh, human beings, and you think that's uh, a career that could have been uh, promised so much, delivered perhaps not as much as it could have. I look at Levante, I look at Levante, and, and I think to myself, Levante, terrific New Zealand mayor, but could have just been a little bit better with a what, a bit more luck? Yeah, maybe a bit more luck. I guess just race manners at the start of her career, she was a bit tardy away, she used to get back in her races. and there was that day at Tarapa where she just missed the kick altogether by four lengths, racing against Avon Taj. Um, but then she figured it out. And what did she finish with? Was it four group ones in the end? Um, a couple of telegraphs and a couple of sprints. So, yeah, she's she's done a hell of a job. And I guess the thing about Levante Smithy is there's a, a younger pros there, Philly, by the name of Legato, that raced around in the same colours. So we're still going to get to follow her career when Levante goes to the broodmare auction. Uh, aside from that, Penny Wicker, your highlight of the weekend? Oh, it'd be hard to go past Penny Wicker. I just I spoke to Andrew Seabrook before 9 o'clock this morning at New Zealand Bloodstock, and seven of the eight Group 1 races during the championships going to New Zealand bred horses. I just don't want that to be lost on sporting uh, sporting audience, Smithy. Like, you know how global racing is. You get it. You understand it. It's, this is not insignificant, and Pennywicker being part of that, from the Central District, um, Damien Lane books by Jim Wallace, he'd never met him, he'd never spoken to him, and she was just way too good. She sat three wide and booted away. It was just such a victory for New Zealand again, and this is after Prowess, Legato, we see Sharp and Smart do it, um, Imperatriz has obviously done it as well. It, it's just been such a highlight, it's such a great autumn that I think we can really look back on and we're going to say this is when New Zealand racing really got its mojo back Yeah I think you're right Louie uh, we'll catch up again um, tomorrow um, there'll be races on and uh, of course Wednesday being uh, not quite a Saturday but uh, always quality racing on tomorrow Louie Herman Watt there with us uh, we're going to catch up with the TAB just prior to uh, 11 o'clock SCNZ it's Kiwi for Sport call anytime 0800 150 811 needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. 
This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.57, great chance to catch up with uh, Brendan Popperwell on behalf of the TAB uh, this morning. A terrific weekend of sport. Would you know how many people climbed on John Rahm, Pops, offhand? Oh, I haven't got those in front of me, Smithy, no, but I can tell you that it was, he was one of the best back-supported uh, players under sort of Scotty Scheffler and obviously Ryan Fox was a massive result uh, in terms of payouts, uh, but he was probably the second or third best played golfer uh, outright pre-first ball being hit, so um, there were some popular tickets around Rahm at that 9 or $10 quote, so... Uh, you're well done if you, if you cashed in there. And even those that might have taken a top five, Phil Mickelson. Who saw that coming, Smithy? No, I didn't see that. Uh, I got decent money um, on, on that anywhere around the world, I would imagine. Um, and, the, I mean, for instance, uh, who recognises him anymore anyway? I mean, what's he on? Uh, it's unbelievable. How can you look that skinny that quickly? All right. I've been trying. I've been trying for bloody years to find it. Um, here's the thing, uh, Pops. Big focus on Champions League this week, eh? There is, yes, that's right. Um, and the game that's taking note for punters here is the Man City match. Now, Man City well found here at 172 against Bayern Munich at 433. Uh, our biggest bet so far that we've taken on Man City uh, is 4,500 to win this match at $1.72. And there's been 76% bet on Man City in this one. And maybe look towards the total goals. There's a chance here of maybe looking at the two and a half total goals and over. At 161, there's been really good traction in that market. And we've seen good early support too for Man City to win this match 3-2 at the price of $18. Good on you. Brendan Popple there from uh, the TAB. Have a terrific day, Pops. Uh, after 11 o'clock, we're going to talk uh, rugby league. And we're going to go to the man they call Brandy, Greg Alexander. Uh, uh, his boss is offside on radio and in television commentary as well. What did he make of the weekend and what did he make of the Warriors' performance? Coming up soon. For equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.03 here uh, in SENZ, and uh, have you ever seen a start to an NRL season like this? Here we go, we're six rounds into the competition, uh, the Broncos sit on 10, and then there's uh, a, a group of six teams on eight, including the Storm, um, who uh, are perennially at the top of the table, but uh, it also includes the Dolphins, the Warriors, and the Titans. Now, I'll give you any any money you like that at the start of the season, people were not naming those three sides uh, and their top six at this point of the season. But that is exactly where we sit. Uh, we haven't got Vossi this morning, but we have got his uh, sidekick. And uh, we're really privileged to welcome uh, Greg Alexander to the show. Uh, of course, Brandy has been so busy um, on radio, but uh, also on panels on uh, Fox and, of course, uh, in commentary as well. Uh, so he's got uh, absolutely uh, the full knowledge on what's been going on over the weekend as well. Uh, Greg Alexander, thanks very much for joining the show and giving us your time. Smitty, great to chat, mate. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Brandy, have you seen, mate, have you, have you seen a, a, a start to a season like this where pretty much every result is, is uh, unpredictable almost? Uh, it is, yes. No, I haven't. And we've naturally, we've been talking about that over here as well, just how... How tight the games have been. We've had a, a string of golden point games, I, th I think five already, five or six already. Um, not much in the games. We're getting upsets, even the weekend. 
We had the Dolphins beating the Cowboys when no one gave the Dolphins a chance because they were playing the Cowboys in Townsville who were searching for a bit of form themselves. We've had uh, the Raiders knocking off the Broncos, the undefeated Broncos, the Raiders who had 50 put on them the week before against Penrith, uh, get up there to Suncorp playing the unbeaten team and, and roll them in what was a great game. So we've had some fantastic footy. Uh, it's been close footy. And as you said, Smitty, there's a, a number of sides that are sitting in the top eight now that no one would have thought. But we've still got a long way to go as well. Yeah, there is. A, it's a heck of a long, long way to go. But if we go way, way back to uh, the start of uh, the round, of course, it was a four-day, a four four-night round because of the long weekend. It was a storm beating the Roosters uh, 28-8. And all of a sudden, you just kind of think that um, Craig Bellamy might have found the recipe here for the storm this time. He's done it a few times, hasn't he, over his two decades at Melbourne. And you write Melbourne off at your own peril. Um, I, I, I've... I've always thought, and I, they're in my top four, the Storm, and they were, were before the season. If they if they can keep their key players on the field and they welcome Jerome Hughes back after spending a couple of weeks out through suspension, but if you've got a side with Harry Grant at dummy half, Jerome Hughes at halfback, Cameron Munster at 5'8", uh, as long as you get the pieces around them doing their jobs, well, they're good enough to win games on their own. So uh, it was a disappointing performance by the Roosters who were, um, you know, I, I thought many gave them a chance to go down there and um, and get the points, but they were, yeah, they were flat uh, after being good the week before against the Eels. And the Storm were too good. Munster is the, I think he's the best player. He's the most dangerous player with a football uh, outside structure footy. And Smitty, if you, you know, players um, and teams have their different sort of shapes that they run where the second man plays and the, the little the, the little plays that they put on, but they're all well rehearsed and they, they work a lot at training on those. Outside that, Cameron Smith, uh, Cameron Munster is just the best player because he can create something out of nothing. And there's not many players in the comp like him. Um, and when he's on, when he's playing well, um, whatever side he is at whatever level, whether it's Australia or Queensland, they're very hard to beat. Cameron Munster sides. Um, he, he, he is that good. Right. Let's uh, look at um, the one you mentioned before, which uh, I, I've, I, I won't say they're my second favourite team, the Dolphins, yet. But I, I will say I'm amazed at what he, uh, and, and when I say he, Wayne Bennett, has been able to put together result-wise in such a short space in their history. 32-22 over the Cowboys. Massive result. Yeah, what, what they've been able to do, what, what Bennett has been able to, um, you know, pull together after missing out on big names. He, he signed a lot of players, you know, some you thought, well, they're, they're prob they've certainly played their best footy. Um, they're experienced and that will help a side, you know, come together quicker than uh, some rookies, but, you know, pass their best footy. And there's a, you know, a number of uh, forwards that are... Um, well, he's getting the best out of them. So you can't, you probably can't say they're past their best footy, but that's how they were viewed from most people in, in the game. Um, you know, and they've got young halves and they, they lost their half in Sean O'Sullivan. So they've got, you know, Isaiah Katoa, who's an 18-year-old boy from, you know, they signed from the Penrith Jersey flag team, who's now their, you know, now their number one half because of the injury situation they've got. Uh, yet they've won four games, Smitty, and, um, you know, They've been able to beat the Roosters, the Cowboys up there uh, to get themselves to eight points. And 
Bennett has done a, a masterful job. Um, I, and and when you when you think about it, you go, well, shouldn't have doubted him. You know, he's been doing it for for that long. Should not have doubted uh, his ability to pull this side together. But still, it's it's pretty special what he's been able to do with a side that most people had running last. They won't run last this year. You know, I don't know what happens over the the course of the season. And as we said, it's you know, there's still a long way to go. But what he's been able to do in, in the opening six rounds get get his team four wins. That's very special. I'm, you know, shouldn't have doubted him. Right, let's uh, look at the, t- the table at the moment. Has the Panthers second on there, 44-12 over the Seagulls, who probably are questioning their defence because they've conceded 76 points in the last two weeks, which is not a great sign. But when we look at the Panthers, are we saying something like normal transmission resumed? I, I guess so, I guess so. And it's because they lost some pretty key players in Coruscant and Kikau. You know, Kikau's been the best back rower in the competition for the last few years. Uh, Coruscant is, um, you know, if he's 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 in the top three hookers in the game. So you lose players of that calibre. Uh, it 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 was no surprise to see it not just click into gear automatically. And they they were beaten by Brisbane by a point. They were beaten by the Eels by a point. Uh, so they were their losses. Uh, then they've they've had a tough start to the season. They beat South. Uh, but the back end of the game against the Raiders in uh, in round five was. Pretty spectacular, and then they repeated that again against the Seagulls in the opening 40 minutes, Ian, uh, where they were. I, I think it's the best 40 minutes a team's put together this year. 32 nil against the Seagulls, who most people think the Seagulls will finish in the eight this year. So uh, it's not as if they're playing a team that you know they think will uh, you know be struggling. So that performance was was pretty special. Dylan Edwards scored four tries. And it all worked. The left side, the right side were, were as deadly as each other. And, you know, the couple, the players that they've got that have come into those positions, Zach Hosking, uh, relatively unknown, only played five first-grade games before he got to Penrith, but uh, he's 25. So he'd spent a fair bit of time in, in the lower grades, uh, started with Newcastle, went up to Brisbane just looking for a chance, played a bit of Queensland Cup, with the injury problems that the Broncos had last year, got a few few chances, played four or five games for the Broncos, makes his way to Penrith, and all of a sudden, everyone's going, wow, look at this Zach Hosking. Um, he can play. And I, uh, Sony Luke, who is a Penrith junior and um, was part of our un- 2015 under-20s winning side, which contained the likes of Cleary and Luai and a number of others, Sony Luke then left Penrith and battled his way around a couple of clubs, uh, didn't play first grade during that time, came back to Penrith as a 26-year-old last year to play a bit of footy with St Mary's and uh, got a chance. And now he's now he's doing a great job um, as the replacement for Appy Coruscant. And so, you know, a couple of replacements for the players that are missing are certainly doing the job. Raiders, 20 Broncos 14. I'm sorry, uh, but when I did my picks, I just couldn't have that. Well, you're not on your own, Ian. There would have been very few people. There would have been just the the, the most ardent Raiders supporter, and even a few of those would have been thinking, I, th- I think the job's too big for the Raiders. But from the opening from the opening set with the ball, you thought, oh, wow, that's that's a good set they've put on first. There's there's still 79 minutes to go, but that's a good start by the Raiders. And then the first set in defence, 
they restricted the Broncos to 20 metres and, and Brisbane kicked the ball from inside their own 20 in the first defensive set that the, they, that the Raiders put on. So you thought, okay, the Raiders are here to play. They were embarrassed last week against the Panthers. There was a lot of talk about a lack of pride in their jumper and they're too good a team. They've got too many good players in their team not to have a response. So pro- probably should have seen it coming. Pro- maybe not a win, but certainly a better performance. But that better performance, Ian, turned into a win. Uh, and it was a pretty spectacular win too. Because they had to be- they- the Broncos looked like they were coming to get them in the, the second half. But the Raiders kicked again uh, and held on in what was a-, a very good game of footy. Certainly unexpected the result, but something that the Raiders mm. needed, who were sitting one of one from five coming into that game last week. Yep, uh, still second last, but uh, better signs for them uh, there. Uh, right, uh, let's get uh, the one, of course, which is a massive focus on this side of the Tasman, uh, Brandy, and that, of course, is the Warriors' performance against the Knights. Knights at home, thirty-four. Warriors, twenty-four. Mm. Um, I won't say I won't say they were brave in defeat, but they were better in defeat than they would have been last year. Ah, true. Very true. It, it's a diff- it is a different side. They're, they're, there's a different attitude amongst this group of players. Um, and the coach seemed... It, it, Andrew Webster's doing a terrific job with them. And, uh, Smitty, when I was over there in New Zealand um, in December, I, I, when, I was, when we were in Auckland, I, I went to Mount Smart Stadium and uh, met the team, met... met uh, you know, Andrew invited me to come over to Mount Smart Stadium, which was the first time I'd been there in 26 years. So from the day I left in 1996, I left the Warriors to come back to Penrith. Um, that was the first time I'd been back to Mount Smart Stadium, which was great. And I uh, met all the new players and got to see what the Warriors were doing in terms of... And they it was a pretty special day that I arrived on because it was their cultural day. And they were talking about, with the new players at the club and the new coaching staff, they're talking about what it meant for them uh, to be a warrior. And I got up and had my say about what it meant to me to be a warrior. And because so many of those young players, there was young players there that didn't even know I played with the Warriors. Like, you know, we're, mm. we're, we're going way back. And my I'm just so um, identified with Panthers that there was, you know, Tamari Martin said, oh, Brandy, I didn't even know you played with the Warriors. But uh, I, I could see on that day that I was there, Smitty, that, uh, you know, Andrew Webster was building something special and there, there was something, there was a different feel of, of, about it and whether it was the, you know, the new players and there's six or seven new faces in there, I think that's helped Andrew, you know, change what was, I, I guess, you know, the, what the Warriors have been through over the last few years, being stuck here in Australia, changing of coaches uh, constantly. Uh, it looked like, you know, there was just this new, a fresh, a vibrant, attitude at the Warriors so uh, not surprised to see them do as well as they have the the comeback against the Sharks last Sunday was spectacular Uh, we interviewed Vossi and I interviewed Andrew Webster a couple of days after that last week and just from the way he was talking you knew that the travel and the away games coming to Australia a few times it, it started to take its toll and I thought before kickoff I thought well you know, if I'm reading something into this, the Warriors need to start well. They need a a, a, an even, a, a break-even share of possession, um, and that didn't happen. The, the, the Knights mm. dominated early. They scored tries early. 
So the Warriors were always on the back foot, but they, they showed a fair bit of fight too. And there was a part in that, there was a period in that second half where they scored tries in succession very quickly. And I thought, oh, the Warriors, are, they're going to fight their way out of this. They, they didn't in the end, but it was, as you said, uh, not something that you'd praise, but something that looked a whole lot better than what happened last year. Okay, let's uh, look at um, a couple of issues. I've got a text just uh, come in, actually. Uh, I said, uh, can I ask uh, the difference between uh, Murata Nuyakuri hit-top tackle on Sifa Talakai, which uh, got two weeks, but he didn't do any harm. Phoenix Crossland, the hit-drop on Tamari Martin, who it looks like may well be out for quite some time, Greg. Um, and um, that was viewed differently. So what are you making this hip-drop situation? Um, Ian, it's, 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 at the moment it's confusing. Uh, let's, I, I think what we have to do, when you're talking about hip-drop tackles, what you have to do first is say the hip-drop tackle is a dangerous tackle and it causes injury. And I think we've, we, we found that out last year when Jackson Hastings uh, broke his leg off the back of the Patrick Carrigan hip-drop tackle. Now, there's all different types of hip-drop tackles, and I think the game is having a problem at the moment just determining what is intentional and what isn't. Um, and these tackles have been happening for a long time. Not the, not the intentional ones, but the ones that um, are by accident, where the, the defender is dragged through force of the attacker, is dragged and swung around just with momentum and ends up on the back's... Uh, on the back of the legs of the player, of the, the runner. Um, you know, I think we need to stamp out, certainly we need to stamp out the intentional ones where the player, you can see, has made a conscious decision uh, to come in from the side or from behind the player and launch his full body weight onto the back of the legs of the player. But um, at the moment, Ian, I think we're having a problem determining what's intentional and what isn't. Um, the unintentional ones, well, they're an accident. They, they're just sheer force of nature. They're physics. Um, you know, player running with force that way, player grabs him by the, the jersey and is either swung around or is dragged along from behind and ends up on the back of the legs, the lower legs of the player. So um, that's and, – and we'll keep debating this. Uh, for, for quite some weeks. It's a tackle they want to rule out, and I, and I agree with that, but, you know, how, how big a penalty do you, do you give a player when it's an accident, when, it's, when he can't help but land or end up behind an attacking player? So that brings to mind um, just the depth now uh, with the Warriors. They've got a massive game coming up this week against the Cowboys. They're back at home. I think... Uh, Close to a sellout crowd, Brandy. To be perfectly honest, uh, the interest so, is, is, is uh, it's so high the level over here. It's uh, it's really I think it's the best it's been. And I, I just I just wonder how significant now for momentum this game becomes with with that home advantage, the possibility of Tohu Harris coming back. Uh, probably no Tamari Martin. Wade Egan's another issue. Uh, so I I just the significance for me in terms of momentum. How do you feel? Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I feel exactly the same. And I, I think that's what, you know, that, that was sort of the vibe back in December. That was the vibe talk spoken about uh, at this session where everyone got up and had their say about Mount Smart Stadium becoming somewhere where visiting teams didn't want to play. So 
about making you know Mount Smart Stadium a fortress again and and really igniting the passion in the people of New Zealand for rugby league and and as you said it's you know four wins um, not many expecting how well the Warriors have started but all of a sudden it it you know fans come out of the woodwork Smitty fans love winning teams and and I'm and I've seen that happen in New Zealand like the Warriors when they are winning. Mount Smart Stadium fills up and the chat is about rugby league and how well the Warriors are going. And I, I think New Zealand rugby league fans deserve a strong side and hopefully they can keep it going. But that's what they have to turn Mount Smart Stadium into a place where no one wants to come because they get bashed up and they get beaten. Um, and hopefully they can do that this weekend to the Cowboys uh, who themselves are, you know, they're, they're in a bit of a hole themselves. they you know, many people thinking they would finish top four, and they certainly haven't started the season that way. So they'll be coming out, uh, over to New Zealand um, with a bit of a mission themselves to get their season started. So it won't be an easy one, Smitty, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping the Warriors can have recovered from the Newcastle trip, uh, rested, even though down a couple of players' injuries. Hope, hope Torhu Harris, um, you know, can get himself onto the field and hope, hopefully they get a win. Yeah, I do too. Uh, just finally, Brandy, and I thank you again for your, your, your valuable time this morning. Um, uh, the restart situation, are you liking what you're seeing in the tackle restart situation? Uh, yeah, well, you know, there's always contentious ones, um, you know, but I, I think as a rule, I, 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 I don't mind it. I, I, I think it changed the game when, when they brought it in. And uh, Peter Vlandis and, and the commission decided to change some rules, tweak some rules, because what he was hearing was that the game wasn't attacking enough. Um, so, you know, there's always there's always little things that you're not happy, but as a rule in general, I, I don't mind it. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind it either. I think um, television sports have to flow, and it's certainly adding to the flow of uh, the NRL, providing it is... Uh, it is uh, supervised in, a, in the right way and it's consistent enough. Hey, uh, Brandy, as always, uh, terrific to catch up with you, my, my old mate, and uh, uh, enjoying your, loving your work that you're doing with Fox, and you're doing plenty of it too, uh, I can see that. So <laughs> cheers for your time, mate. Cheers for your time, and uh, thanks for your summation of what you saw over the last four days. Thank you. Good on you, Smitty. Good to talk, mate. Cheers. Uh, Greg Alexander there, folks. So lucky to have him uh, with us uh, this morning. Uh, looking back at uh, the weekend that was, I, I love Monday night football. I really do love Monday night rugby league. I know it's hard with turnover and, and uh, time in between matches with the coming weekend, but my God, I look forward to that Monday night appointment. Uh, Ricardo, just for me, I just, uh, I hate Mondays in that regard. It's just like, it's like, the, you know, I won't say the death of sport, but it's just like a... a a horrible period where I don't like it. Yeah, mate. Yes, I hundred percent with you, mate. And I, I don't see why uh, the NRL don't do it more often. To be honest, I know as you said, there's problems with the draw, but as you get more teams, it should be easier to do. And you know, and that continued battle over the ditch with uh, AFL gives them a point of difference, right? Yeah, it certainly does, mate. It's eleven twenty-four here on SENZ. We'll be back shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, fans of Stumped, uh, and there are plenty of you, uh, just to let you know we will be doing it this morning, but at a slightly later time. 
closer to uh, 11.40. In fact, this morning we'll be doing uh, Stumped with Smithy. It was a $50 uh, bonus bet from the TAB up for grabs. So uh, you get on the phones around about that time. We'll give you an opportunity. We'll uh, preempt it. 0800-150811 and Stump with Smithy will be uh, closer to uh, 11.30 because we have uh, an appointment with uh, Aroha. She's going to do her news very shortly and then uh, we've got the Ag Insights. Uh, thanks to Collier's Profit from the best advice uh, with Collier's Rural and Agri-Business licensed REAA 2008. And that is coming up uh, after the news here. With the very latest in rural news, this is Ag Insights on Mornings with Ian Smith. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Yes, indeedy, and uh, I'm thinking about getting some chooks in the backyard. The reason why? Yes, I'm thinking about getting some chooks. Because uh, I'm seeing less and less eggs at the supermarket and it's starting to worry me because I'm a big, big egg man. So is this shortage ever going to end? I, I can tell you that the industry has said not while the current rules are in place. You and the Mad Butcher, you like your eggs. I follow him on Instagram. It's basically Egg FM <laughs> on his Instagram page. Um, he too <laughs> would want some chooks, many of them. We did some research into why there's an egg shortage and I kept seeing these headlines around, well, whilst the supermarkets tell us, if the supermarkets keep telling us that we have to make our eggs this way, you're going to get some shortages. So basically what they've been trying to do is phase out those horrible cages that were really tiny that kept the chickens. And they gave three choices to the people who, I keep wanting to say grow the eggs, so I suppose it's technically correct. And most of the farmers changed, wanted to change to colony cages. Um, but then a bunch of supermarkets turned around and said, actually, we only want to buy free-range or barn-raised farms. So that's why there is still there's still a transition stage, I guess, if, if we're moving from one way of growing to another way of growing that may also be more expensive. That's what's causing our egg shortage. Or it's you and the mad butcher causing the egg shortage well it could be that it could be that it could be that but isn't it interesting our attitude to eating though and, and our attitude to shopping these days and I've just gone away from the, the script here for momentarily but we're actually thinking about how and where our produce came from rather than what it's about to taste like. I'm on the Coromandel Peninsula and people have always thought about where it comes from you know there's always been I always I used to think of it as sort of hippie and now it's become more mainstream to worry about where your food comes from and how sustainable practices are. And vegetarians are everywhere. But when I was a kid, um, it was a bit weird. Yogurt and muesli was weird. It was wheat bix and toast. So, yes, we do care about where our stuff comes from now. Maybe we need to be more aware because I always hear the argument around eggs being – the shortage of eggs is always like – the louder voice as opposed to what good is being done by people trying to raise the the awareness around where our eggs come from. The poor mm, old chickens. Poor old chocks, they hardly get a mention, do they really? Honestly? They get a bit of a mention when you go to carve them up every now and then with the roast, but that, that's about the only time they get a mention. <laughs> yes, right, okay. Right. <laughs> let's, let's, on that subject of uh, caring about what I eat and where it came from, I'm a big fan too, not just of eggs, but hot cross buns. Hot cross buns, one a penny, two a penny, hot cross buns. 
but uh, likely now to be made of Australian wheat. I couldn't believe this. I mean, I I always think of, you know how I used to be able to see everything with a New Zealand made sticker on it? And now mm. I, I don't see much of that anymore. And so to find out that most of the baked goods in the country was 70% chance that it was going to have Australian wheat in it and not our own. And the Aussie wheat is basically cheaper to get into the main centres like Auckland than it is to get our own wheat. Because we're not bad at making the old wheat. We do have some great mm. growers. But it's cheaper to get Australian wheat into places like Auckland than it is to get our own up from the South Island to Auckland to make your lucky those uh, hot cross buns come in, in dozens, Smithy, for you, just like eggs. Okay, right. So we've sorted out the eggs and we've sorted out the hot cross buns. But have we sorted out the weather? I've just got a text in to say, gee, I feel for those poor folks, Smithy, who have had their properties destroyed by tornadoes. Where the hell are we? Florida? And, of course, you guys in Hawke's Bay with the tropical cyclones, yes, the scenes we see on TV are terrible. They're absolutely destructively terrible. And now I'm told that uh, Niwa have uh, likely come up with a tool that it can least protect or predict rainfall quite a long way out, yeah? It's still on trial. So this thing's called Niwa 35, and it's using AI. And I don't know if you have looked much into ChatGPT or the chat... No? Okay. So these artificial <laughs> intelligence uh, mechanisms are learning. So they're still in a trial phase, and what they do is they take the information and they're constantly learning and building and building and learning and learning. So Niwa 35 was basically set up first by Niwa um, as a tool to help farmers predict droughts and really dry weather, which I think is invaluable, and it's it's still being trialled, and so it, it kind of kicked off at the end of last year. Um, but the new news around Niwa 35 is that they're going to try it out for the wet weather too. So if you want to go on and have a look at, at what Niwa 35 does and what its predictions are over the next few weeks, Niwa actually tweeted its next five weeks' worth of forecasts. Niwa said, please take it as a trial and that it's not set in stone. Don't go and plan your planting around it. But it is being tried for wet weather, which I think is clever because we've got so much of it lately. Well, in this country, it would be nice to know that these things are around the corner, wouldn't it? Um, you know, and uh, you're never going to cater for the absolute flash things that happen. Yeah. Um, or be able to protect us, but perhaps you can protect yourself and safeguard yourself uh, just a little bit better. And I imagine um, that that also would include weather patterns in different areas. Yes, um, I would. I would think too. And it's really interesting. If you want to go onto the Niwa website, you'll be able to find the trial version of Niwa Thirty Five, or you can just click on the Niwa um, Twitter feed where they've um, mm. basically tweeted out that five-week, what would you call it, an, a, not an estimate, what what Niwa 35 has come up with so far with the amount of knowledge that it's learned over the last few months after it was mm. um, built and, and tested and trialled through summer. And then, you know, we can go back and retrospectively look at how accurate it was. And it may not be able to predict the kinds of things that we've seen and the anomalies that we've had over the last three or four months. Um, but I think it will be a, a really interesting tool. AI scares the bejeepers out of me. Sure does. Uh, Aroha, thank you so much for that uh, insight. Roger. Uh, yeah, eggs, eggs, wheat and weather. Eggs, wheat and weather. In fact, eggs, wheat and, moist, and moisture in terms of uh, rainfall and water and things like that. So uh, it's almost a recipe.
how much uh, to, to get the right density for your hot cross buns. Almost, uh, oh, we covered nine bases there. Absolutely brilliant. It is uh, 11.39 here on SENZ. Right, now's the time. 0800 150811. 0800-150811. It is time to call us now. We'll be playing uh, Stumped Smithy after the break. Culture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Top class at his job, he is indeed. Ian Smith, it's uh, time for Stump with Smithy. And uh, we've got Zach on the line from New Plymouth. How's the, how's the knacky today, Zach? Yeah, no, a beautiful day here. Nice, mate, nice. What, what are your strengths, mate? What are your go-tos, sport-wise? Uh, oh, probably rugby league, cricket. Union. Okay, good. Some good staples there, Smithy. What are you fancying yourself in this today? Any of those? Golf, golf. Just give me some golf, some masters golf questions. I've, it's all I've got in my brain at the moment <laughs> after four days of blanket coverage. So, just give me golf. What are the uh, what are the subjects this morning for Zach? Okay, Zach. Here's your choices. Uh, unfortunately, Smithy, none of them are golf. Um, you got no. netball, rugby, or basketball. Which way do you want to go? Rugby, please. Rugby it is. All right, here we go, Zach. You know how this works, mate. Question one. How many matches did Italy win in this year's Six Nations? Three. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, have you got a a take on that? Yeah, I followed this relatively closely. I don't think they won one. This one they won Unlucky. Unlucky, Zach. You're being stumped first time, mate. Unlucky. Try us again another day, though. Hey, thanks for your call. Yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. So, so Zach is gone. We've got Mitchell up next. Uh, g'day, Mitchell. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, guys. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. All right. The the the, uh, the challenge is rugby. Here's question number two, mate. Smithy's already stumped one. He's on fire. Uh, what team currently leads the French top fourteen? Oh, Jesus. No, uh, not them. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, I, I honestly wouldn't have a clue. Um, nah, I honestly wouldn't have a clue. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy? Uh, I want to say Toulouse, so I will. That's Toulouse. Two from two. Unlucky, unlucky, Mitchell. Uh, go well, bud. Have a All good right, day. Guys. Yeah. Uh, who have we got next? Uh, we've got Craig. Craig from Tauranga. Craig, Smithy's on a hat trick. How nervous are you right now? <laughs> He's dealt Fine, so it's looking great for me. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, here we go, mate. The third and final question. $50 TAB bonus bet could be yours if you get this right. Who has scored the most points in Super Rugby Pacific this season? Oh, gosh. Oh. Um, I, I don't know, but I'll go with d Damien McKenzie. One of the worst things yeah. I have ever seen done on a cricket field. There you go, Smithy. The hat trick is yours. What's the answer? I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to have a guess, though. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to have a guess. Um, 
course, uh, DMAC might have, um, but they had a buy at the weekend, mm. so that wouldn't have helped. I'm, I'm assuming it's a New Zealand side. I'm assuming it's a New Zealand side, so uh, I'll, I'll have to go Geordie. Geordie Barrett. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Close, but no cigar. The correct answer, Richie Mwanga. 69 points. He hadn't even played them all, though, has you know he? What? He didn't play, didn't play Drewer. Yeah, no, he didn't play Drew, no, but he's still got 69 points, and uh, Geordie Barrett's got 66 in second. I believe it. Well, I, I was busting up D-Mac and, and Richie, so, you know, I went D-Mac. Um, yeah. Yeah, wow. Well, mate, at, at the end of the day, Craig, you still managed to win, uh, even though you didn't get it right. So $50 TRB bonus bet all yours, my friend. Thanks very much, Ricardo. Cheers, Smithy. Cheers. Uh, hey, Craig, if, if, uh, can I just ask you this question? If the Chiefs uh, were playing in uh, Tauranga or the Mount um, uh, next week, would you go? Yep. Um, yeah, I would. Um, I've been playing a little bit of NPC rugby at the Domain now, which is much better than Bay Park. Um, yeah, I would. I've, I've go to go to some of the Steamers games at the Domain, but they they very rarely bring bring the Chiefs if ever um, since I've lived here. Um, but yeah, and I've made no secret. I'm actually Auckland born and bred, so the Blues is my team. But um, but yeah, Chiefs are second, living in the Bay. Okay, that's interesting to note that you would make the effort to go because um, we're getting a few vi- bit of vibe that it's uh, just battling a wee bit in terms of its viewership and um, bums on seats as such. So uh, it's nice to know that yeah, if they I brought it to town, I because think, yeah. Oh, sorry. I certainly think that the the league. Um, has my attention more from a, from a TV point of view, um, perhaps because the Warriors are going so well and, and I've been a Warriors, Warriors tragic since the start. So, um, yeah, the league kind of my attention more than the rugby, but uh, but I would go mainly because we just don't get that much here in, in Tauranga. You know, I mean, we obviously get the bay when when the steamers are playing and look forward to NPC, and I probably prefer NPC, but uh, but if they brought a Chiefs game here, I, I'd go and support it just purely on the fact that we don't get that many and... Um, and I'd like to see more here. So, um, you know, got to go and support these things. Otherwise, we don't get it. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Uh, mm-hmm. Craig, congratulations. Brian will uh, get, make sure you get that money as, uh, as soon as possible, mate. Uh, thanks for taking part. And uh, thanks for those reflections there at the end because I think you are in the majority, Craig. Uh, have a good day, man. Thanks a lot, Smithy. Appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, I, I, I lived in yeah. the Bay for a while, Smithy, and 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 the Bay of Plenty, I should say, um, just just to be politically correct. And uh, that was in the mid '90s when Glenn Jackson was like an 18 year old coming through at Tauranga Sports. And in those days, the very much this, the the balance of power was uh, in, in Bay of Plenty was in Rotorua. So uh, we very rarely got the Bay of Plenty uh, NPC team in Tauranga. Generally played in Rotorua, and I think uh, now the Chiefs, if they're going to play in in the Bay, they tend to play in Rotorua rather. Than yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't like that. Uh, is it the, the Bay Park Stadium? Mm. I, I just, I don't know why. It just didn't feel quite user friendly to me. Um, at Too far time. away, aren't this, you? Yeah, I, I think you, you you feel it like you're a long way away with um, the speedway track and everything of that nature. But it just didn't quite grab you. You know, sometimes it just doesn't grab you. And that was one of those stadiums that did that. And the reason why I asked. Craig, that question. We're continually to get uh, getting these texts in. Smithy, I turned into, uh, tuned into the Highlanders Canes game on Saturday and immediately stood out with how stale this competition has become. After 20 minutes, I had to change channel and watch the AFL and the NRL as it's far superior product these days. Hurts me to say that coming from a rugby person, but um, 
no name attached to it. Uh, didn't have to be because it could have been sent by anybody. That is the feeling coming through at the moment, the general feeling coming through. I hope, uh, I hope New Zealand Rugby get a few of those same messages as well, um, not just radio stations and um, stuff, uh, people that remark on stuff, columns, etc. Uh, go to the source. Go to the source. Uh, and the source of, uh, of good rugby in New Zealand has always been club rugby in New Zealand. Have a look at that very closely. Just have a closer look at that. Now that I'm uh, not uh, involved in commentating Super Rugby, I'm home more. You get to talk to local people more. The state of uh, club rugby in this province, Hawke's Bay, uh, which was uh, not that long ago, owners of the Ranfurly Shield have a proud tradition, a proud history. Quite clearly, they have issues. Quite clearly, they have issues. And we're surely in Hawke's Bay and not the only province going through that. It's uh, coming up to Staffy time. It's 11.52.